And welcome back. This is Yona Bud filling in for my friend Alex Pearson, and you are with us at on in on listening to On Point. Not are you at On Point? Visiting On Point? Anyway, show's called On Point, and thank you so much for being with us here tonight. Appreciate you having you as a, having you as a listener. Ontario reports forty three hundred, almost forty four hundred new cases, highest single day since late April, according to uh, uh, Global News. Um, and Wednesday's count higher one day increase since April 23rd, 4,500, uh, new cases were recorded. Wednesday's the highest one day since last April. Wow. Uh, comparison last Wednesday was 1800 cases to Wednesday before a thousand. So we're obviously having some issues here, uh, with respect to this, uh, uh, this virus, specifically the Omicron, um, um, version or strain of it. Uh, Ontario reported 420 people of all of those though. Let's, let's bear in mind, okay? Lots of people are getting tested. We're going to be talking to a nurse here in a second. 420 people in general hospital wards, up from eight. Uh, 168 in intensive care, up by three. Like The numbers of people hospitalized on the surface uh, doesn't look that ugly as compared to where we were in almost, you know, one of the second, the first and second wave where we didn't really know what was going on and so on. And the hospitals were out of control and so on. Um, I want to introduce you to my guest this evening. Her name is Nela, uh, Sheikh and she is a registered nurse working in a hospital in Peel. And we're just not going to talk about the hospital she works for because she's representing herself this evening. And, uh, we're fortunate to have her join us this evening. Good evening, Nela. Good evening. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for joining us. You know, I, I was saying in the in the beginning in our, in my monologue, I, it actually, it was a bit of a rant to be honest with you. That um, the people who are seem to be highly affected by by this at the moment are, are people you know on the front lines, such as yourselves and your colleagues. Uh, you know what what's going on, and and as the stuff climbs and the things get shut down, and you hear the government choices and changes, and whether you like them or you don't. How do you guys keeping it together, man? You know what? I think in terms of keeping it together, I think we're with everybody. We're riding the wave of the uncertain times. We're holding our breath, waiting for another possible big wave in the hospital. We're just, you know, planning for the worst. And we appreciate also the good times when restrictions are less and we do take advantage of those times when we can enjoy just like everybody else um so right now yeah we're just holding our breath just like everybody else we're all in the same boat trying to figure it out taking it one day at a time of this very long pandemic so what does the holiday celebration look like for you and your family uh we're not sure yet we're still very undecided just like everybody we're keeping an eye on the news um, you know, just monitoring hospital cases, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you keep saying, and listen, I, I appreciate your, your humility and, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're caring and very, you know, into what you do because I can hear it in your voice that this is something that you, you, you know, this is a calling. It's not necessarily a job for you from the sounds of it, but you know, for the most part, um, you say, you know, you keep saying that, you know, we're in it like everybody else. No, I, I mean, with respect, I don't think so. Like I'm a frontline worker too, in terms of mental health and addiction treatment, but you know, you folks that are actually, you know, sitting in ICU or sitting in a, you know, in an, in, in a, in an emergency ward, uh, during this particular time, not necessarily just COVID related, 
complicated, but just people, you know, losing their minds and, and, and having, you know, other kinds of illnesses and issues around, you know, surgeries being put off, which means you have to care to those that are waiting for the surgery. Obviously they're not well, they need those surgeries. How, how is it, how is it that people are keeping it together? The, 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 the work the nurses and the nursing folks, yourself in particular, let's not talk about everybody else. Let's talk about you. How, how do you keep it together and, and go home at night and come back the next day and, and try to be positive when what looks like, you know, someone said, one of our colleagues said, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And it looks like every time you, you put on the news and listen to somebody in, in the media that the sky is falling. Um, what keeps you getting up every morning to go back to work? I believe for myself, it's just the love of my job, whether or not there's a pandemic. Mm -hmm. My nursing practice hasn't necessarily changed in the sense of our professionalism and, you know, the precautions that we take. We were always being careful prior to the pandemic. However, I, I can definitely speak for myself and my colleagues that, yes, we are feeling burnout from the the waves that we've experienced because it does take a toll having to have that constant fear in the back of our heads that we may bring home COVID-19 to our families adds an, adds an element of stress that we've never felt before. Are you seeing as a, as an ICU nurse, are you seeing, um, the same level of really like in the beginning of the pandemic, as I remember going back and, I've been in some hospitals during that time and, and actually, you know, seeing some footage from other stuff, you know, it would appear that the ICU was just like, it was like, it was like Beirut in, in, in during a war period. You know what I mean? It was, you know, it was hard to keep up with anything and keep going and breathe. Um, is the ICU as hectic now uh, as it was, let's say a year ago? At this moment in time, it is not as hectic. And I don't know if it's because, of the high number of vaccination rates. I believe right. it is. Again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an immunologist. I'm not an infectious disease specialist. I'm not a researcher that participated in the development of the vaccine. So I am very careful when I speak in regards to the vaccine. Um, but I, I only speak about what I can see with 100% surety, and that's every single one of my patients with COVID-19 has been unvaccinated. And so Whoa, whoa. So so slow your roll there for a minute. Really? So interesting because I try to do a com you know, I try to do a calculation when they put out these numbers, you know, it's almost like watching the lottery. And you put you put you're looking at these numbers and trying to kind of correlate the number of sick versus the number of hospitals versus ventilators, which was always my thing, right? But I was scared to God forbid ever have to be on a ventilator um, because I see the repercussions later. Right. Um, but you know what you're what you're telling me is that hundred percent of your patients in the ICU were unvaccinated. That's right. remarkable. That's remarkable. Your, your particular patients, I get it. You don't speak for everybody, but your yeah. particular patient flow. Um, that That's remarkable. I, I, you know, and, and that's, I think the, the thought around this whole vaccination scheme and idea and, and protocol is that if you do get it, it's not going to be sick and you're not going to get sick enough to end up in a hospital or God forbid an ICU or on a ventilator, which was the big, you know, the big concern 14, 15 months ago, right? Correct. Yes. And again, I just want to reiterate that I'm just speaking on behalf of my own personal experience. Of course, of course. I, I, yeah, a hundred percent. I appreciate you don't represent anybody but yourself, but you know what? That's Mm -hmm. good enough for me, man. 
you know, because you're right there doing what you need to do. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, your your view is as good as anything I'm going to get, and uh, I'm real happy that you're able to come and share. Um, talk about let's talk a little bit about the the damaging and kind of problematic, you know, media and the armchair experts and all this the misconceptions around uh, vac- vaccination and so on. We got about a minute left. That's got to really kind of rub you the wrong way, right? You know what? I truly believe it's an added. Uh, source of stressor for healthcare providers to see careless comments out on social media and in WhatsApp chain mails from people who are not medical experts who speak so freely without thinking twice about the detrimental effects of their words and how it can cost people their lives. And so that sort of moral distress of not of, of seeing that happen before our eyes while we de- deal with the repercussions, I think that's causing a huge cause of burnout amongst myself and my colleagues. Well, I want to let you know, uh, before we let you go here, I want to let you know that I am uh, deeply uh, indebted to you and your colleagues for the hard work you do and the continued uh, relentless, relentless fight that you're in the middle of. And I just wish you lots of strength. And I want you to have some fun and giggle over the holidays, okay? So that's just remember that Jonas said to have laughter over the holidays because that's going to make you feel better and those around you feel better. So thank you so much, Naila Sheikh. Uh, she's an ICU registered nurse in a hospital in Peel and uh, one of the uh, real angels uh, in this uh, fight against this horrible disease. You're on On Point filling in for Alex Pearson, this Yonabud 640. Toronto.